A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herleman, sponsored by Starburst. Starburst is a single platform to help you activate all your data, no matter where it lives. Check out our new Data Products for Dummies ebook to learn more about how your organization can utilize data products. To download your free copy, head on over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by my company, Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This is going to be a panel because while I clearly am not shy about talking, I want to give others in the community a voice too. It definitely shouldn't only come from me. We should be hearing from many different people doing this. If you want to participate in a panel, please do get in touch. You can go to datameshunderstanding.com to see some of the other free community-friendly programs and the other learning resources we have. And you can check out our actually quite reasonably priced offerings. So let's hear some fun music and then jump into a quickish summary of what you'll hear about in this panel. Panel, data as a product in practice. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? Guest host Jen Tedro is the director of product management at Pathfinder Product, a test double operation, as well as guest of episode 98, facilitated a discussion with Martina Ivanichova, who's a data engineering manager and tech ambassador at Kiwi.com, as well as guest of episode 112, and Xavier Kumar-Ragul, who's a data engineering manager at ODA and guest of episode number 40. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. The topic for this panel was data as a product generally, and especially how can we actually apply it to data in the real world? This is my number one most important aspect to get when it comes to doing data, especially data mesh, but doing data well. It's the holistic practice of applying product management approaches to data far beyond just data products. It ends up shaping all the other data mesh principles in my mind and and is a much broader topic than data mesh is, quite honestly, for me. But it can also be quite simple in concept when you really boil it down. It just takes patience and focus. Now, as per usual with the panels, I'm going to give you my top takeaways rather than anything that the guests themselves tried to reflect specifically or individually. So my top eight takeaways, and there's another 15 plus in the show notes as per usual. So number one, at its core, data as a product is more an organizational mindset approach than anything else. It is something you work towards. It's not an overnight change, but getting the mindset right first, at least with a small core group of people, will help the organization figure out how to best move forwards towards treating your data as a product. Number two, data as a product and data product thinking must not fall into only thinking about data products. It's about product thinking about data. So in general product management, it isn't about creating a product. It's about creating an experience for the customer that generates value for them in some way. That also then your organization takes some value from themselves, right? The best way to do that sustainably in data is a data product. But the value and the experience are the point. That's your focus. The data product is merely a vehicle to deliver on that value and that experience. Number three, think about good and product and bad product experiences in general. The incomprehensible manuals and unintuitive design of a bad product. Or for a good product, the awesome tutorials and documentation and just user interface and things like that. We need to create easy paths for people to not only discover our data products, but discover the best ways to generate value from them, actually generate that good utility. Number four, data as a product includes considering your data sourcing strategy. This comes up a lot in in 
the the episodes on data mesh radio because a lot of people are trying to skip over this. You think about a physical good, you don't just have the labor to put it together. You need to consider the materials that need to be combined to actually create that product. It's not just about what parts you have laying around. You manage the supply chain, right? Hopefully reliably and scalably to make your widgets. The same should be part of data product practices. It's not just what data you have, but what data you will need. And then you figure out how to go and create that data for your teams. Number five, if we actually want our organizations to be data-driven, whatever that means to you, people need to be able to rely on the data. If we want to embed leveraging data into the DNA, the day-to-day operations, you know, what people are actually doing as part of their job, we want that as part of the company. We need to make our data creation and management processes reliable. That way people can rely on them. They can trust them. The best way to do that is via data products because it makes it easy and reliable for consumers to leverage data. The data isn't the point. The data product isn't the point. It's Data is a mechanism to drive business value. We need to figure out a way to do that reliably. Number six, a first step on the road to your organization treating data as a product is getting away from the data team as a service mindset. I know a lot of you think about this. We don't want to be ticket takers. Data shouldn't be a cost center or a ticket-taking organization rather than a value-generating one. So that's how you can start to get started is to get people away from that mindset. Number seven, a key aspect of good products is usability. We need to focus more on usability in data. This is somewhat wrapped into user experience, but there are other aspects that are even more often overlooked than UX when it comes to data. A lot of that usability also falls on the platform, not just the data product. So there isn't a different user experience for each data product. We have to think about how we split that between data product and the data platform in general. And then of my last top uh, takeaways, number eight, moving to data as a product approach, instilling that data as a product mindset in your organization, it will be hard and it is quite a bit of cognitive load for people who haven't focused on data historically. Look to introduce the concept and changes needed to implement data as a product over time. Again, this isn't a switch to just be flipped overnight. Okay, with that summary of my top takeaways, and you can see the show notes for more takeaways if you'd like, but let's go ahead and actually hear from our awesome panelists themselves. Thanks for joining us on Data Mesh Radio for our panel covering the topic on data as a product. The goal of our discussion is to shed some light on the concept of data as a product as it can be a little bit uh, uh, muddy waters and dive into its practical application through insights from our panel of experts who are here representing their own views. Uh, joining us is uh, Martina Ivanicheva, engineering lead at Kiwi.com, and Javier Gamero Regol. Data Engineering Manager at ODA. And I'll be your facilitator, um, Jen Tedro. I'm Executive Director at Pathfinder Product, a testable operation. So let's start off by learning a little bit more about our panelists before we dive into what I'm sure will be a lively and interesting discussion. Uh, Martina, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and uh, touch on your experience with data as a product? And then we'll pass it off to Javier. Uh, Sure. Hi, Jen. Uh, so I am currently um, with Kiwi.com. We are a travel company. Uh, we basically uh, make it uh, easy for travelers uh, all around the globe uh, to, to buy cheap flights and travel without anxiety. And uh, I'm responsible for data engineering department. So it means for like data platform, 
And uh, we are also several teams of analytics engineers. And my experience with data as a product uh, started almost three years ago when we started to consider implementing data mesh. So that was the first uh, point in time where I stumbled upon this term. Awesome. All right. Javier. Yeah. Thanks for having me in this panel. I'm Javier working at Oda. Um, Oda is an online grocery store, like a pure online grocery store in Norway. And I'm acting as data engineering manager for one of the teams there, um, which is a bit funny because actually the team I manage is called product data services, uh, which is a bit confusing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can explain. Uh, basically, now what I'm working on is uh, making sure that the data we have from the products that we put into the shop is correct. And it of, it's of high quality. We get all the pictures that we need. And yeah, and every data, every data point is uh, accurate in order for our logistics systems to, to work and to work without um, yeah, any interferences or errors or problems. And basically, my connection with data as a product comes from uh, my former uh, employer, uh, Adevinta, where I was uh, leading a data engineering team. And basically, we started uh, thinking that, okay, if we want this data to be used, we will need to um, basically consider it as a product and adding documentation to it and showing some examples on how the data can be used. And, and we basically started uh, treating data as a product um, a bit before that Zamek Degani coined the term. Um, and then I wrote an article about the differences between data as a product and data products that, uh, yeah, uh, is very popular nowadays. So that's uh, my connection to, to data as a product. Highly recommend that article, by the way. Um, I've referred so many folks to it and it's been very helpful to me. So uh, excellent resource, definitely. Um, I will be your facilitator today. Uh, again, my name is Jen Tedro, um, and I am with uh, Pathfinder Product, recently acquired by Test Double, and we uh, help uh, lots of different clients uh, unleash their greatness through modern product management. And a lot of my experience and background has been in data product management, including helping a large healthcare enterprise IT implement data mesh. And for the past several months, I've been working on a comprehensive study on data as a product titled The State of Data as a Product in the Real World, which is actually being released uh, today <laughs> to the public. So super excited to talk to you and learn learn from you from your experiences in re the real world. And but really what we want to do is shed some light on this topic, right? I, I don't know um, from the uh, discussions that, that I'm sure you have, um, this uh, data as a product tends to uh, get a lot of strong reactions. People feel very strongly about it. And um, the definitions I've heard have varied greatly. Uh, so interested in hearing from, from, from the group, how do you define data as a product? Um, Martina, let's start with you. When you think data as a product, how, how do you define it? How do you explain it to other folks that may be confused about it? Uh, to, to me, it's more or less like mindset that you try to apply product thinking to the way how you treat data, how you, um, how you, for example, think about bringing new data, how you um, think about the feasibility, uh, think about the personas who are going to use that data for the use cases, for the actual uh, um, return on investment of developing such data. So really to try to apply the similar principles uh, to to data as you do in your standard product development. And with this goes also, let's say, the hypercare uh, comparing to the all traditional world where data were just like byproduct of our, our standard businesses. So you give it more importance. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Javier, what would you add to that? I think that yeah, we, while I agree on on the definition, I think that it's uh, important also to, also to signal the benefits and why should you uh, treat your data as a product? Because, um, as Martina said before, like it was data for the purpose mainly of analytics and building perhaps a dashboard or a report. But 
yeah, and this has changed uh, in the last years, and now data is being used for a lot of things, right? Um, and for a lot more people in the organization. So when you have um, more people wanting to um, get their hands dirty on the data, like you need to provide them with um, a good product to do that, right? And and mm -hmm. that's when the data becomes the product. Um, and if you think about any product that you use on a daily basis, you don't want to be um, asking support on how the product works all the time. You want to be autonomous, on, right? So treating data as a product has the benefit of, okay, pe people should be autonomous on using the data. Um, they don't need to ask you for what does this field means? What does this... Uh, why do we have uh, chosen to do things like this, right? So they they want to be self self sufficient. So I think that when we treat data as a product, um, which is considering this this product mentality on top of data, this is what happens, right? People is uh, self serve. Uh, you'd get less uh, support requests on the data, which before, um, yeah, um, the the traditional BI teams used to get a lot, and they was you used to be like the master of uh, knowledge and information and and um and now it's it's uh it's no longer uh the case right and maybe i would add to this and i'm in uh i'm curious whether you experience the same jen and shavi uh that uh typically such teams who do not have this mindset are in a service trap so they still keep serving uh the request on demand ad hocs and this is exactly, uh, uh, as you, Travis, said, that this product brings also the, this product thinking brings also the autonomy to be able to use that product by yourself. I love that. I love that. I agree completely. I, when, when I ask, when I'm asked, I try to boil it down. I find that there's a lot of complexity around it because it's a mindset approach. I agree with that, Martina, 100%. Um, I usually say, if I have to say it in a sentence, the primary purpose of data as a product is to maximize data's utility. And I think everything you said encompasses that so well. Um, and it is very similar to traditional product managers looking to deliver the most value from their products. If you know they're doing software product management, um, it is applying that product mindset to data. There's a lot that is wrapped up into that. I'm sure we're going to dive into a lot of those different areas as we continue our conversation. Um, one thing that I usually say when people ask for like a simple solution to data as a product is just like product management, there's really no one size fits all solution. I'm sure that you would likely agree given your background and experience. Um, but um, there's even a point of contention that I've gotten even in some of the industry groups that I participate in that are looking to do things like define data as a product, define data products that they say, well, it's the same thing. And I know, um, Javi, you have very strong thoughts about this. <laughs> so let's, I would love to hear from you. Um, uh, do you agree or disagree that data as a product and data products are synonymous? Uh, and why or why not? <laughs> yeah, interesting question. No, I think it's uh, not the same. Um, so I will try to clarify. It's a bit on what we touch upon uh, in the article, right? Um, and we agree data as a product is a mentality that you have to have uh, in order to treat data as a product. And then the outcome of uh, treating data as a product is a data product. Um, then a data product can be a table in a warehouse or in a lake house, um, for example. But then I think here we need to also... Um, differentiate the different types of data products because there is other definitions of data products and this is what it makes uh, everything a bit more complex right but for example a recommender system in other uh, like outside of the data mesh world uh, a, a, a recommender system is also called a data product because the the recommendations um, uh, that are served to the to the customer use data in order to uh, function right so I think that the, the definition is, is from uh, DJ uh, Patil that says like um, a data product is uh, something, a product that facilitates an end goal through the use of data. And and it's true that data products do that, but there are other things like uh, Google Analytics. Is Google Analytics a data product? Yes, because 
like the the product could not exist without data, right? So, um, agree on data as a product being a mentality. Data products are kind of the outcomes, but there are more types of data products uh, depending on um, the domain or yeah, where who you talk to. Uh, I don't know if you if you agree with that. I agree completely, Martina. I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I I agree and I get the idea. But on the other hand, um, if uh, from really talking from the experience, if you want, or at least this this was in uh, uh, if we wanted to convey this idea of data products, we needed to be more specific. And I also read your article, Chavi, and I, I, I completely agree that e even the data warehouse or platform tooling, everything can be considered as a data product. But in a practical aspect, we, we were able to per to pursue everybody to get the buy-in on this only once we got more specific and we said that let's the, the data product is specifically this and this it can have these output ports it has to check these boxes you know uh, really to not be so broad and academic but to give to people something something tangible you know that they can grasp yeah uh, it's no it's a good point because we have also uh had to internally define a definition of uh, data products in at Oda, right? So um, in our case, for example, uh, if you have a data set that you want to share with the others, um, that's a data product. And you can have data sets that you don't share and then you don't need to fulfill all the require or the, yeah, um, like having descriptions and examples, etc. Maybe that's not that necessary if you don't want to share externally. Uh, or like outside of your team, um, and we don't consider that data products, right? Um, yeah, so I agree that it's uh, the concept is uh, fuzzy enough to to need like that you need a definition for your specific stakeholders and customers that you want to uh, serve, and I think that uh, it's like it also touches upon on the concept of data assets versus uh, data uh, products, right? And and I, I watched your webinar, Jen, and, and you specifically explained the differences uh, with these, right? So it's, it's uh, I, and I don't know if you want to touch upon that, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of concepts for uh, people that is, is new to this, uh, to this field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what clicked for me when I was really trying to dig into this and figure out like it, it was intuitive to me being a product manager, coming from a product manager perspective, that applying a mindset was very different from the end result of applying that mindset, right? Which would be the data product versus data as a product. So what clicked for me and this helped, and I, I did this in the webinar as well that I explained this, and I actually got a lot of feedback that this helped it click for other people that the perspective of data products being the same as data as a product is would be the same as saying that a software product is the same as product management. And that kind of helped clear things up for, for folks because I think with like Javi, uh, what you just said about, you know, we had to define what that data product is. You know, if it's shared externally, then it has these requirements. If it's internal and only shared within maybe a small team, maybe the requirements would be different. That's applying that data as a product mindset because you're increasing the value of that output to the user. Um, and and how they can best leverage and get the value out of that data. It is the mindset and associated processes versus that output. To me, that's the big differentiator. And there is a lot wrapped up into it. And uh, going back to your question about the data assets, I think that further muddies the water because people are like, oh, there's data as a product. There's data products and there's data assets. I think it, you can almost look at it as like a linear flow where you know you have the data assets being the raw data and you apply that data as a product thinking in order to transform those data assets into a data product that can be consumed and drive value, derive value for your organization in many multiple different ways, right? There are lots of different examples of data products. There's a lot of different ways you can accomplish that. But um, the other thing that I always tell people is that product management, the reason why it's not a cut and dry discipline is that it requires a lot of critical thinking because it's so nuanced and different things apply to different situations. And I think it's the same thing for for, for data, for uh, for data as a product as well. Um, and 
Um, I, I think, though, it does kind of bring up a, a good question. And I know Scott and I have talked about this um, separately, but is it the terminology, do you think, that is is cause, is contributing to some of the confusion that it's data as a product? People think like, okay, it, you know, do we look at the other, you know, as a like software as a service, software as a product or all these other kind of paradigms? Does that muddy the waters more? Is there a better way to say it? You know, I know people have said it needs to be specifically said that this is an approach rather than as a product, because that's why people say, well, that means it's a data product. I think that it, it uh, helped uh, putting words uh, to it. In, in our case, as, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, when I was working at Adevinta, um, we applied product thinking, thinking to data sets without knowing uh, about the word, uh, right? So, so we... We saw it as a necessity to the problems that we were having, um, where people couldn't find the data that they needed, or if they found it, they couldn't sort out access to it, or like um, knowing how a specific field, the logic in a specific field worked, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, I think that um, we were very glad to, to read the first article about the data mesh by, by Samak Tegani and and uh, naming this and and having some guidelines behind about all the attributes or the characteristics that the data set uh, needs to fulfill in order to be called a data product or a data as a product, right? So like discoverabilities and trustworthiness uh, and all that. So I think that for, for us, it, it helped having a name because it helped also communicate outside uh, and the, the cross-functional teams what they needed to do also and what we were talking about. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so to your question, Jen, uh, I'm wondering how much of this is because we are in our data bubble and and there. <laughs> and the how I see the rest of the world or the evolution in past years or at least two, three years for me, we are pulling to that data world more and more people, more and more stakeholders. And for them, this this is like new cognitive load, you know, a lot of new terms, a lot of new concepts. And, you know, world change or that ecosystem change, we are now, before that, it was data team taking care of data. And now we are pulling, you know, engineers, engineering teams, um, different stakeholders, everybody is now consuming data, like not, not even dashboards, but, you know, all over. And since we have more and more diverse personas now, and we are now, you know, trying to put more and more concept, concepts and term terminology on them, uh, it's not easy to digest. So I, I sense that this confusion maybe comes from this like complexity and the way that we are trying to actually spread the world outside of our uh, standard domain. Yeah, I think that that makes a ton of sense, honestly. Um, I think that one of the things I try to do, and it's very difficult, honestly, like simplifying a complex concept is a hard thing to do, especially for folks that are outside of that industry domain, vertical area of expertise. Um, it, it can be very difficult, but I think that you're really onto something. I think it's um, it's 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 especially difficult. One thing that we found in, in the study that we that's being released today is that there's a very big disparity in the perspectives of folks that are making data strategy decisions versus the folks that are actually on the data team. Um, you know, the folks that are making these data strategy decisions, they think they have a very clear strategy. They think people understand it. They think it's solid. People are on board. But the data shows that stakeholders and data team members, it's a lot more ambiguous to them. So I, I think that touches on a lot of um, the importance of, you know, change management, communication, and cross-team collaboration. You mentioned, you know, the kind of the shift with like data team structures. Um, I think that that's that's something that from our collective experience implementing data mesh, I think we have a very solid understanding of the importance of, of that aspect when it comes to 
uh, any kind of big data initiative. It doesn't have to even just be data mesh, but even try to take data as a product principles and apply them maybe to more a traditional team topology or structure. Um, so when thinking about that, um, it, whether through the lens of data mesh or or really any other kind of paradigm, how do we translate you know that that value that that perspective that mindset of you know product and um, data value to actual work? Um, what are what are some ways that you've approached that in your work with um, with Kiwi.com, uh, Martina? I'd uh, love to hear from you on your thoughts of how how you make it a little bit more tangible and accessible, particularly for folks that are outside of your team. Mm -hmm. uh, well. So there are many aspects to this, uh, and but the, the the communication is like like so important, and the the key learning for me is that you you never can like repeat or spread your ideas enough. I I experienced like I I I said it hundred times, and I thought that everybody already heard it that we are all on the same page, and now you know are almost on the verge of giving giving it up. You you say it one uh, hundred first time, and suddenly you just start hearing for it from other 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 parts or you know from other stakeholders that your thoughts. So this is really you just have to have to keep on going and keep repeating and spreading the idea. Like the, if you if you put down uh, the strategy, we created a one pager where we tried to explain like where we stand, what are the pain points, why we are doing this, and really in a concise one-pager layer form, so it uh, tried to communicate it. And what really helped to me was like the one-on-one -on -one communication. I know it is not scalable but uh, in a large organization, but to get the momentum, to get first, to get buy-in from the first few stakeholders who can then go and uh, spread your ideas this is really this is really crucial so that the com the guide communication is like key key pillar i would say not sure what's your experience javi and jen yeah uh javi what about uh, what about your experience you've um done this twice now right so i'm sure you have a lot to add to this from your perspective yes um and at very different situations in in the two organizations I've been working lately, and and I would say one thing that stands out is it, that is is like technology never appears at the top uh, of of the of the list. It's I think it's a cultural and uh, process uh, thing that that uh, you need to um, or or the challenges come from more from from that uh, side, right and. I can explain briefly a bit. Uh, um, within Adebinta, we started treating data as a product, as a central team, and we did that because we getting we were getting a lot of support requests, um, and that prevented us from actually being able to work uh, on, more on on building new things. Right? It was yeah. mostly support. It was like, like this cannot continue. We need to do something. So we started. Mm, documenting um, and putting more examples in place and and that helped right but then uh like this was perceived as very good work and we were tasked to do uh, data products for other domains um so we did that and then at the end it was a huge cognitive load to maintain everything so we had to split and and we had to split um and we had to hand over um data products to other cross-functional teams um, where they didn't have capacity or like data folks to maintain uh, the um, the data products and evolve them and uh, upgrade them, etc. So it took months, if not a year, to to convince those domain teams that this was the right approach. That they, if they were owning the data products in their cross-functional team, they would be faster. Data analysts and uh, data scientists would uh, um, be able to work on things. Uh, faster and everything like the process would be accelerated right and and i think yeah we, it took one year to, to budget for being able to uh put um, data engineers and analytics engineers in in those teams right um but yeah it, like we managed to to do that and i agree with martina it was a lot of communication 
um, showing the benefits, showing that everything was going to keep the same. It's just that they were owning a bit more uh, on on the domain, uh, the the data for their domain, and and that was a, a positive thing for for everyone, like to retain the data scientists and the analysts, like what, like a lot of uh, benefits uh, that you can uh, list um, in order for this to 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 be implemented, and then uh, at other like the distributed ownership and data as a product are principles that were there since the foundation of the data team and the the, the organization was works in a distributed fashion uh, and the cross-functional teams are autonomous and and they are staffed with data people uh, from the very beginning uh, and like from inception of of the team right so um, it's a different kind of mentality uh, it's already. Um, for example, I, I would recommend like if you have this type of uh, mentality or need, like sh- explaining this in the onboarding sessions to your teams, it's it's uh, or like to the n- new hires, it's it's a must, right? So this is how we work here. Don't expect a central data team to um, get the data you need for you. You need to be self-served. You need to learn the tools. Um, you need to know how um, to browse. The, the data visualization tool that you are using, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, you have to communicate at all levels that this is the, the approach that you are uh, using. And then um, eventually, uh, like, no, the, the, the machinery will, uh, will work and, uh, yeah, uh, everything or people will have the data that they need in order to build the, the next data product that they want to build not that will enable some uh, new features in in your uh, the product, etc. Et yeah, no, I I agree with both of you 100%. I think communication, just the importance of it, can't be overstated. Honestly, um, especially when uh, kind of transforming um, the way you're approaching your data initiatives, um, moving towards a data mesh approach as a is a great example. Um, I think, you know, from a product perspective, you first want to understand, you know, what's working versus what's not working and what needs to change um, in order to get to that value creation. And then um, you're absolutely right, uh, spending a great deal of time likely to get the necessary buy-in, but also articulating, we're talking data as a product, we're talking value, right? articulating that value of why is it worth changing change even positive change as we know can be very very hard right and people tend to be resistant they want the end result they don't want to go through the pain of change um that's a, i think a constant struggle that we see in just in a lot of different areas of business not just in in data um and one thing that i think you both sort of touched on was how do you how do you kind of articulate to those stakeholders, especially those whose buy-in you desperately need in order to enact the necessary change. How do you how do you represent the what's in it for them or the ROI? ROI of data products can be very difficult to quantify. Um, speaking from from my experience, I spent a lot of time trying to do this. I'm not saying that I have all of the answers. I do have a couple of things that um, I would recommend that that were were particularly helpful. Um, when you're looking at a traditional, you know, balance, like the traditional balance sheet of like cost versus benefit, it can be very difficult with a data initiative, especially when you're pushing towards a different way of working, um, like centralized versus decentralizing teams, as an example. But one thing that we did was we looked at it as um, uh, trade-offs and uh, opportunity costs rather than your straight ROI, your typical straight ROI. Uh, we found, for example, and again, by taking product management approaches and doing discovery and talking to folks, that like our data scientists were spending 60% of their time wrangling data because the data was just like in a really rough, rough spot. And so they were spending that time, you know, hunting down data, trying to understand it, cleansing it, and not working with it and doing, you know, great things that could be driving value for the company. And so when we tried to, when we took that and translated into this is what this could mean for the company or painting a picture of like the art of the possible, if they invested it, talking about, you know, the opportunity cost portion of it, um, 
that seemed to resonate, but it was a very different approach from your typical cost benefit ROI. So I would love to hear, um, Martina, from you. Have, have you had these conversations? Have you found any tips that like particularly resonated, particularly with decision makers to get the resources, funding, buy-in that you needed in order to drive the change you needed? That's a really tough question, and I don't have an answer. Uh, this is something which I actually like think about a lot uh, in past months. And uh, same as you mentioned, we try to apply the similar uh, proxy metrics, like how much time you can save if you model your data very well, and then you have self-service analytics in this domain, you know, how um, how many I don't know, mandate costs per month can, you can save. Or uh, I don't know, we also try to approach it from the way like, okay, we are using this data for our A-B test evaluation and like 10% of features make it to the production based on this A-B test and this are responsible for that amount of revenue. So what if our, thanks to the bad, poor data quality or poor data management, the, 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 the numbers in our data set are 10% off Will it mean like uh, we are making decision uh, in in 5% like wrong decisions and this affects revenue and so and so. So we tried to figure out this proxy metrics and uh, I don't have an answer. But because it is really hard to articulate the cost of unknown. But what we can do and what we try to do is that thanks to this product thinking, we are at least able to bring the cost transparency uh, related to the development of particular data products and investment uh, into them. And I can illustrate it in an example. So for example, uh, you have some, some data around like what's your expected revenue and it, it's not 100% accurate, but to increase the accuracy of that data set, I, by 0.5%, let's say, uh, you would need to invest 100 mandates. So now if you bring this transparency to the product owners, they can do the informed decision. Is it worth? Is it, it Because before it, that, it was just like data team created it, developed it. If it was not matching the reality, it was the poor data quality, you know. But now it is really the informed decision of how much are you willing to invest and uh, what it uh, whether it makes sense, even if it is in the very first stage, just like educated guests or the business owners or sponsors' decision. So this is this is a, a long answer to short question, I would say. It's a very it's a tough question. Um, Javi, have you have you had much luck, or do you have any advice or additional thoughts on how to how to quantify or uh, specify the ROI on some of these initiatives? I think that when we talk about ROI, like the cost is very easy to calculate, right? Because it's <laughs> headcount, licenses, and and such. That's that's fine. Usually, the the challenge is with the the benefit uh, side, but. Um, in our case, we have a very um, physical business, let's say, because we deliver groceries to um, our customers and and a mistake or an error in a dimension in the weight of the product or something like this can cause massive uh, um, problems uh, down the line um, that uh, cost us a lot of money, right? So, um, of course, we always want to we would like this to be um, the perfect um, uh, scenario everywhere where you can translate the, the cost of uh, or the impact of a, a bad uh, data product or a data product with bad quality uh, down the line and, and measure like how, how much uh, this has cost us. But it's, as you say, it's, I, and I agree, it's not, um, not always uh, the case. I have a, a couple of uh, mental models uh, to help with the um, um, communication side of things, right? And um, one is uh, when we, or, or like it's it's two different uh, ways of approaching data work, let's say. Um, so you can split um, the, the data work between, okay, let's do data product management, right? Creation of data products. 
And then there is the data value creation. So in the sense of um, creating a data set per se will probably won't get us very far. Uh, it needs to be used, right? So um, mm, the benefit of the, the data and ma product management part, it's, it's very little. It needs to be used. It, it needs to add, uh, it needs to have somebody using it to add value, um, whether it is building a visualization, building a recommender system, building um, an optimization algorithm, whatever, right? Uh, so it's with this second part, this value creation, that maybe it's easier, but it's also complex <laughs> to uh, measure the the return of investment, right? Um, and then, so that's that's one side, uh, one thing that maybe can be useful um, for the audience to to use. Um, to split between the, the value creation and data product management. And the other is that um, if, as, as it, you mentioned before, right, if you have data scientists wrangling the data, um, that's not the reason why you hired them. And, and if they continue doing that, um, they will probably quit um, in a few uh, months, right? Um, so you need to uh, look out for that and um, think about data product management uh, the creation of data products uh, something around the lines of um, let's create the data products for the commonly asked questions like the questions that get uh, asked the most so that we free up time to work on something else um, and then this something else would, might be an experiment, it might be a user segmentation, it might be something a bit more complex, and then once we have cracked that part, let's build a data product to reflect the learnings that we have um, learned from that. For example, we can build like a user segmentation data product, right? And then we already have like that data product on top of this other data product so that then the analysts and the scientists can uh, work on even more complex stuff, right? Um, and and this like this is uh, like a wheel um, that you need to train um, so that you end up um, in a situation where all this leads you to a competitive advantage against your uh, competition, right? Because if if you start building data product or everyone is building the basic data products, nobody will have time for experimentation. Nobody will have time for a complex user segmentation that you have to uh, that you want to do, but you never um, find out time to. So yeah, maybe this is useful also, like kind of a second um, a mental model to use when when trying to sell uh, data as a product and and see that it's really hard to measure the benefits, but uh, you probably find in your organization someone in leadership that believes about this and is happy to invest um, on these things, right? Yeah, I can just second to this because this it was exactly what helped us a lot, a lot. Like we really started with our first data products, which enabled self-service analytics. And as it freed up hands of a data analyst, suddenly like everybody wanted to have their business domain covered and it spread and spread. And still, the surprisingly, the load on data analyst was the same, even it increased. But this was just because the hunger for data insights grew. So I just can second that uh, this is about what you said, Cherry. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, one thing that I found also that worked really well in the face of some skepticism overall uh, just to help kind of get things moving in the right direction. We had initial buy-in from a, of a leader. Um, obviously, with something like Data Mesh, the more folks that are bought in and contributing to the data to the mesh, the more valuable it's going to be. We did the same approach, Martina. Uh, we found some early uh, adopters who were very, you know, bought in, saw the potential value. And what we did was worked with them kind of nailed down some of the early kinks and processes. They were really willing to work with us. And we 
highly, very visibly and publicly just shouted out those successes all over the organization to build that interest and show what was possible if folks would, um, you know, kind of play nice with us and and what the the art of the possible was. And that started to build a lot of momentum. But I think that just that's a great point of advice for folks looking to get started is find, um, find maybe even just find one team that's highly motivated to work with you, sees what is possible from their investment and make those early wins very, very visible and use that to kind of gain some momentum. And people will be interested once they see that it's successful. You just kind of have to get an early win and prove it out first. Are there any other... um are there any other tips or um, just advice that you would have for someone kind of starting on like a like a data mesh journey or even just a journey to better leverage data as a product? Um, because it can feel very daunting to folks. They they see I think they see the value in it, and I I think folks are just very um, unsure of how to maybe get the ball rolling in the right direction, especially if they feel that they don't have. Uh, you know, decision making ability within an organization. Are there any, you know, tips or advice that you would offer, Martina, for someone looking to advance their data as a product journey? Yeah. So first of all, I'd, um, I, I, not specifically maybe to the data mesh because maybe data mesh is not the 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 remedy for everybody, and a different organization needs different like architectures, but. The, 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 I would say like the wrong strategy is better than no strategy. And if you just like start moving, okay, if you, first of all, you just like have to face your problems, your issues, your challenges. And if you just start moving in some direction, I can maybe illustrate it on our case. Like Kiwi was using like really a lot of data sources. And I would say that the, the, the data organization was really like growing and growing. And we hit some critical mass and, uh, you know, the hundreds, hundreds of pipelines, uh, data central data engineering team and so on. And the we thought that the remedy is like start data modeling. And that that wasn't like a bad idea, but and we started to move in this direction and started to create data models, uh, reusable data models and so on. But then it uncovered to us that, okay, you can model whatever you want if you don't have your data producers covered and you, you, you don't cover the full chain, basically, uh, you are not going to solve it. So even if we made a step in like slightly wrong direction, uh, it helped us to realize like what we should do eventually. So my advice here is just like come up with any strategy, not not to you know try to perfect it from the day one, but uh, keep moving and uh, reflect on what works, what does not work, and face it. Love that, um, Javi. After you know, kind of two instances of of, of going through this, uh, what advice would you have to offer? I think starting a small. Um, like knowing your problems and starting a small, trying to fix one thing at a time. Um, if you have, a, if you can take advantage of like a big data strategy that the organization is putting, and like that's fine. Usually, that's not the case. Um, so look at what are the problems that you are having. It is like your data engineering team is is kind of swamped into in requests or. You know, like the data analysts do not have the data it's they need or no, like, and then trying to solve this um, um, piece by piece and, and little by little uh, with good prioritization. That's uh, true. Um, but uh, I agree that um, data as a product can be implemented uh, without the context or like outside of the context of data mesh. So, um, yeah, maybe data product is a solution for the problems, but maybe it's, I don't know, another thing, right? That you need to solve, uh, fix, uh, you need to solve first. Yeah, maybe here I would like to maybe bit challenge this. Uh, maybe not, I don't know, it's a stra- strong world, but um, 
Yes, I, I also, because you mentioned this idea also in your blog post that the data as a product can be implemented um, outside of the data mesh concept. But for me, it is so tightly coupled to the ownership topic that I cannot actually, you know, see it apart. And if you have already two pillars of data mesh, it is leaning towards being a data mesh. And like maybe just a question whether you view it the same, because for me, the the ownership was such a key point that without without having an owner, without someone owning that data, you cannot achieve anything because no one takes responsibility. You have no one to go to, to complain, you know, no one takes care. So my question to you, like, if can you maybe decouple it from the ownership and if we have already two pillars of data mesh, isn't it a, like halfway data mesh? Yeah, no, I think that we, we agree um, in the sense that if you apply distributed ownership, uh, then you need to apply data as a product because um, like, um, no, when there is this uh, massive amount of uh, people accessing uh, the the data, no, and this centralized nature of uh, ownership um, makes this principle even more valuable, um, right? So uh, it must be treated. Uh, it must be treated with with uh, good interfaces. Uh, you need to show the quality uh, uh, of of the status of the quality of the data, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I, I was mentioning in the beginning, I um, I also applied uh, data as a product mentality um, in a setting, for example, where the team was a central, the, the team was centralized, uh, right? And and it still was relevant because we needed to add a lot of documentation to the to the to the models, etc. And and for example, we we have also worked on. Um, I've been leading the experimentation platform team in in uh, Odine for the past uh, year, and we generate data in that uh, team, right? So we are kind of a foundational team, and that generates data. And this data that we generate is used for the analysis of A/B tests, and uh, we need to apply um, data as a product thinking for that data product, right? So um, and it doesn't have anything to do with um, analytics or, you know, like the cross-functional teams, or how they are distributed, etc. It's just like we we are building an internal product and the quality of this internal, uh, the quality of the data that this internal product uh, or platform generates needs to be uh, great. Well, I love I love this conversation. This has been amazing. I honestly feel like I could talk to you both about data as a product all day. Um, unfortunately, it's about time to wrap up. So um, I would like to just ask one last question of the group. Normally, when um, I talk data as a product on any platform, I inevitably get asked, uh, what other resources would you recommend uh, so I can learn more about data as a product and, and dive into it? So I'd love um, for you to give your recommendations to the folks listening. Martina, any uh, resources that you would recommend for folks looking to learn more about data as a product? Uh, so absolutely, the, the Jamax book on data mesh. <laughs> That's number one, definitely. But what also inspired me as a book named Infonomics uh, from Douglas Laney, um, uh, where you can like realize like the value which lies in data. So... Uh, that, that that's that was that was inspiring to me. I oh, great! I haven't read that. I'll check that out for sure. Thanks for the recommendation, um, Javi. How about you? What would you recommend to folks looking to learn more? Yeah, I think that reading the fundamentals it's a uh, mandatory, right? The articles or or the book they provide a lot of um, uh, insightful information and techniques to to sort out uh, and to navigate the how you could implement the the domain. Um, I guess that listening to other folks in the industry and that have uh, cracked this uh, is uh, helpful. And I would say also like just uh, uh, read the fundamentals and then try to navigate yourself um, within uh, like what do you need at, uh, at which point um, and then um, yeah, try to sort that out. Absolutely, absolutely. 
I, I agree completely. Uh, great recommendations. And I would also recommend for folks learning to wanting to learn more about how and if, uh, you know, folks in the real world are leveraging these concepts, um, definitely check out the study, uh, the state of data as a product in the real world uh, being released uh, uh, today in December. Um, so thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks to our panelists. Thanks to Scott Hurlman uh, and Data Mesh Radio for hosting this panel. And uh, that's a wrap. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. I'd again like to thank the participants today, our wonderful facilitator, Jen Tedrow, who's the Director of Product Management at Pathfinder Product, a test double operation, as well as our panelists, Martina Ivanichova, who's a Data Engineering Manager and Tech Ambassador at Kiwi.com, and Xavier Kumaro Regol, who's a Data Engineering Manager at ODA. You can find a link to their LinkedIn's, the results of Jen's survey, and Zabi's amazing blog post about the difference between data products and data as a product in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Panels really are my favorite. And no, it's not just because I don't have to do the hard work. I, I swear, they give you a chance to hear from folks entirely devoid of my own views, which I think is crucial in our learning journey to figure out how to do data mesh well. Hopefully this one was super useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show. Almost all guests have said that they'd really love people to reach out. Data Mesh Radio is again provided by Data Mesh Understanding and is produced and usually hosted by, you know, except for these panels, by me, Scott Herleman. Do check out our website, datameshunderstanding.com, for more information. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by our offerings and some of the free programs out there. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And with that, let's hear that funky outro music. Thank mm-hmm. you.